0: We're grateful for your presence and we're always thankful for the opportunity to be together to worship God in spirit and in truth. And we're gonna be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter four and specifically we wanna look at verse eight down through chapter five at verse two. We're gonna be talking tonight about the importance of laying it all on the line for the Lord. And probably the greatest example that Comes to mind is the Apostle Paul. Paul was willing to do whatever to advance the cause of Christ. When you look at his life and you examine his ministry, the hardships, trials, difficulties that he faced on a regular basis, all of that was done with one purpose in mind, and that was to expand the borders of the kingdom, to bring people to Christ. And so Paul literally emptied himself in an effort to share the gospel with those who are around him. In chapter 4, at verse 5, Paul would say, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord, and ourselves as your servants for his sake. Above all, the apostle Paul viewed himself as a servant, And that's why I believe he was willing to lay it all on the line. And you and I as members of the body of Christ, as Christians, we have to have that same mentality. We have to be willing to literally lay it all on the line in in an effort to reach people for the cause of Christ. And so as we look at chapter 4, there are really three things that I want to share with you from this lesson. First of all, let's talk for a minute about Paul's foes in Christ. As we think about his foes or his trials, Paul begins by talking about his difficulties and then we think about his duties as a child of God, as a Christian servant. When we look at verses 8 and 9, Paul isolates some of the difficulties or hardships that he faced as a preacher of the gospel. Listen to him if you would. He said in verse eight, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. The idea here is that the Apostle Paul was, no doubt, harried by many, but not hemmed in. There were times in the ministry of the Apostle Paul when things might have looked bleak, the circumstances may have been dire, and yet the Apostle Paul stood victorious. The Lord, through his great providence, saw him through the difficulties. And then he says, we are perplexed, but not in despair. Have you ever thought about some of the situations that occurred in the life of Paul? Take, for example, what was going on at the church at Corinth. Paul would say to the Corinthians that he demonstrated his care for the church. I think Paul loved the church, and he loved the people who comprised the church because the church is comprised of people. We are the church of Christ. Well, a lot of things took place with the saints at Corinth. They had any number of problems. They had enough problems to, as we would say, sink a battleship. And yet when when the apostle Paul looked at that situation as well as other situations in his ministry, he was not in despair. I think sometimes one of the great tools of the devil is discouragement. If the devil can somehow drive us to despair to the point of just throwing up our hands and giving up, Paul didn't do that. Paul would say in the long ago, look, we're perplexed. And it may be the case that there are a lot of things about the work of the church that leave us perplexed there are a lot of things that I wonder about, I question. There are some people, quite frankly, I can't figure out. I can't figure them out spiritually. I can't figure out what's going on in their mind. I can't understand why young parents, for example, sometimes don't see the importance of having their children in worship and Bible study on a regular basis. Sometimes I wonder why some parents, are not setting a godly example before their children. And I think about the ramifications of that. And so we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. In Hebrews chapter 12 at verse 3, the writer talks about Christ and how Jesus Christ endured the cross, despising the shame. Why? Because he ultimately saw the good that would come from his death. And that is victory for those of us who belong to the body of Christ. But in verse 3, the apostle or the writer of the book of Hebrews talks about the possibility of us, that is, New Testament Christians, becoming weary or discouraged in our souls. The writer well knew the possibility of despair or discouragement. And then there is a third thing. Paul said, we are persecuted, but not forsaken. Look at the life of Paul and think for a moment about some of the persecutions and difficulties and trials that he faced in his ministry. And yet one of the things that that stands out, God was with him. I said a moment ago that Paul would make the statement that he was perplexed but not in despair. He was persecuted but not forsaken. Listen, there are a lot of things that go on in the world that I have no control over. You you neither. We live in a world that has many problems. We live in a society that has its ups and downs, joys and frustrations, highs and lows. And there are things that go on in life. There are things that happen to those who belong to the body of Christ make us wonder but here's the bottom line come what may God is still in control let me tell you what the psalmist said the Lord reigneth when it's all said and done God is still on his throne and he is still in control times may have been tough Paul may have been persecuted but he was not forsaken by almighty God When Paul wrote to Timothy in chapter 4 verse 6 in his second letter, Paul said, At my first defense, no man stood with me, but all forsook me. I pray God that it would not be laid to their charge. But then he said, The Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, that all the Gentiles might hear, And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And he said, the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me under his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So here's Paul and he's saying, look, there were people within the body of Christ that rather than standing by him and being an ally, a source of strength and encouragement, what'd they do? They forsook him but not so with the Lord. And Paul here is saying, look, we have been persecuted, but we're not forsaken. And then he says, we have been struck down, but not destroyed. The idea here is that he had been knocked down, but not out. You ever seen somebody take a standing eight in boxing? You ever seen somebody literally knock to the canvas and, and then in a matter of seconds, they get back up and go toe to toe with the opponent? That's Paul. Let me give you an example of that. Over in the book of Acts in chapter 14, we have Paul and Barnabas engaged in their missionary endeavors. The Bible tells us they went to Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. In Lystra, do you know what happened to the Apostle Paul by the unbelieving Jews? In verse 19, the Bible says they stoned him and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. They thought they had killed him. Now let me tell you what, what kind of mindset we're dealing with when you look at the life of Paul. In verse 20... Paul had been stoned by unbelieving Jews. Do you know what he did? They had dragged him out of the city. The very next day, he gets up and goes back into the city. Let me tell you. That's either a man of faith or that's a crazy man. He was a man of faith. And so, Paul can say, look, we have been knocked down. And if you look at his life, you'll see... He had been knocked down repeatedly. But he didn't give up. Let's talk for a minute about his duties in Christ. In verses 10 through 12, Paul talks about the burdens of his preaching and the blessings of his preaching. First, his burdens. In verse 10, he said, Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. When Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia in Galatians chapter 6, he would say, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Do you remember what Jesus said in what is typically called the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Do you remember what Jesus said in John 15 and about verse 20? He said, a servant is not above his master. If they persecuted me, he said, they will persecute you. Here is the Apostle Paul. Suffering to the extreme, I would encourage you tonight to go home and read 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and look at that catalog of hardships that Paul discusses, things that he had borne because of his love for the Lord and his desire to share the gospel. We talk about laying it all on the line Sometimes I think it's difficult for us in the 21st century to understand or to maybe get into the mindset of first century Christians. When you go back and you look at the first century and and you think about the unbelieving Jews and the difficulties and the hardships imposed upon God's people by the Romans and all of the the mayhem that they faced. It's hard for us to understand that to some extent. The book of Revelation, I mentioned this last week in our study, I want to mention it again. The book of Revelation is a book written to Christians suffering immensely. Domitian was on the throne. Paul was long since dead. The apostle John had been banished to the Isle of Patmos. Some of God's people had been martyred. Some would be martyred. Some might escape death, but they would not not escape being unscathed in some respects. But the bottom line to those saints in the first century, look, we will be victorious. But they, they suffered immensely. They faced a lot of hardships and trials and yet in our modern world with our modern conveniences, we talk about laying it all on the line for the Lord in our air-conditioned buildings in the summertime, in our warm buildings in the wintertime, driving our nice automobiles to and from worship and to and from work and other places that we go. We talk about the difficulties that we have in this life, the hardships we face, and I'm not minimizing some of the hardships and trials that we face in this life, but when you look at what was required of the first century saints for their faith in the Lord. For example, Jesus said in Revelation chapter two, verse 10, Be faithful unto death. That means if it costs you your life, you remain faithful to Almighty God. Thank God we live in a country that allows us religious freedom. We can worship, we can study in the privacy of our home, we can acknowledge God by prayer. It may be the case that we lose some of those liberties in the future. But when you compare what we face in this life to what they faced in the first century, it pales in comparison. And yet, we're required to lay it all on the line for the Lord. Hard for us to understand the struggles that they faced in the first century and living in the 21st century today. So the burdens of his preaching. What about the blessings of his preaching? What about the trials and the difficulties? Was there a positive to all that he faced? Well, listen to what he says in verse 12. So then death is working in us, but life in you. When Paul wrote to the church at Philippi in about A.D. 62, and Paul was in prison when he wrote, his epistle to the saints in Philippi, he would say in about verse 20, Christ will be magnified in my body. Now listen to what he says. Whether by life or by death. In other words, I'm willing to lay it all on the line for the cause. If it means bringing people to Christ and I have to die for it, so be it. If it means bringing people to Christ through my life and Longevity, then so be it. Down in verse 21, Paul would say, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So, the burdens and the blessings. While Paul faced hardship and trial and difficulty and even death at a later point in time, the blessings derived by the many converts Think about the multiplied hundreds upon hundreds of people that had the opportunity to hear, believe, and obey the gospel through the preaching and teaching of Paul and Barnabas and then later Paul and Silas, Timothy, his own son in the faith. I have said before, I believe it to be the case, the apostle Paul was a preaching and teaching machine. I think he lived to preach and teach the gospel. I want you to think with me in the second place tonight about his faith in Christ. Let's look for just a moment or two in verses 13 through 15 at Paul's faith in Christ, his trust. Let me ask this question. Why do you think the Apostle Paul endured hardship, persecution, and trial to preach the gospel? I believe that he gives four reasons why he was willing to suffer hardship and even death, if need be. Let me just cite for you those reasons. First of all, look at verse 13. In verse 13, Paul said, But since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, and he quotes here from Psalm 116 at verse 10. I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Number one, why did the Apostle Paul suffer hardship and trial in order to preach and teach the gospel? Because he believed that the message was divine. He believed that it was the word of the living God. Now let me just pause here and say this. I wonder sometimes if we really believe that this message is from God. When you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, when you look at at the lives of the Apostles, by and large, here were people that had rock-solid conviction in the Lord. Their conviction extended to such great lengths that they had courage and boldness in sharing the gospel. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter nine, and verse 16, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Listen, he believed this message came from God. He believed that people were lost and dying in sin, they were separated from their maker and they needed the blood of Christ. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that our friends, neighbors, co-workers, classmates, people all around us are lost without Jesus Christ, the Son of God? What did Jesus say? Go to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Do we really believe that unless people have the saving message of the gospel, they're lost? When Paul wrote to the saints in Ephesus, he said that those who are outside of Christ, they are without hope and without God in this world. To die in sin is the greatest of all tragedies known to man. And I think that's why the apostle Paul was willing to suffer hardship. Because Paul truly believed that this message we have comes to us from Almighty God. Listen again to what he said in chapter 4, verse 5. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul's life was saturated. It was in. It was total infatuation with the Lord. What about us? When we have the conviction of the apostles, or specifically the apostle Paul, we like them will say we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. When we truly have in our heart of hearts, the faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God deep down in our hearts, then we'll be motivated to move with action. We will be motivated to share the gospel, to preach and to teach to a lost and dying world. There are people all over this city. There are people all over the Mid-South. There are people all over this region all over our country, all over the world that need one message, the message of the cross. Secondly, Paul not only believed in the word of God, but he believed that God would raise him from the dead. You want to talk about motivation. Paul knew, look, you can kill the body, but you cannot kill the soul. And the very body that is placed in the ground will one day be resurrected. Jesus said, marvel not the hour is coming when all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Those that have done good to the resurrection of life and those that have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Now, having said that, listen to what Paul said. Knowing, verse 14, that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you greatest chapter in the Bible on the resurrection 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in terms of its significance and implications for those of us who belong to the body of Christ it was in light of the resurrection that Paul would say be steadfast, immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord I want you to think about your life for a minute. We talk about all of the blessings and favors that we have in this life. And we think about the opportunity, the luxury of retirement at some point in time. We may retire, we may retire from our secular jobs. But the word retirement is not in the Christian's vocabulary. We never retire from sharing the gospel. We never retire from engaging in acts of benevolence. We never never retire from being involved in building up, encouraging, edifying the saints. It is an ongoing process and even when our bodies become frail and we can't go as we once did, we can still, we can still share the gospel If we have a good mind, if we have a voice, we can still encourage and edify people. We can send cards. We can pick up the telephone. We can help others monetarily or physically speaking. I want to die with my boots on. And by that I simply mean I want to die in service to the Lord. I don't want to retire from preaching and teaching. Now, maybe there may come a time when I'm not able to do what I'd like to do. And and maybe I'm not able to to preach on a weekly basis like I'd like to do. But I want to die in service to the Lord. I want to be used unto the very end. And I hope you do too. Because when it's all said and done here on planet Earth, that's not the end. The spirit goes home to be with God, the body's placed in the ground, Jesus will come again and he'll raise that body from the dead. That's why Paul would say in 1 Corinthians or rather in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, "Wherefore comfort one another with these words." So Paul believed that God would raise him from the dead. And then thirdly, Paul believed that his hardships and trials would lead and had led to the conversion of people, or rather, to multiple conversions. Look, if you would, at verse 15. In verse 15, Paul said, for all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many. Back up again and look at verse 12. So then death is working in us, but life in you. Don't you think that when the apostle Paul suffered hardship and trial, On the one hand, and then he looked in the faces of people that had been converted to Christ that were living for the Lord, that made it all worthwhile. Think about what he said to the saints in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, where he said to those people, they had turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Here were people that had been steeped in pagan idolatry and yet they had come out of that to serve the Lord. Let me tell you, that's satisfaction. That's that's enough to make a person pause and give thanks to God. So sometimes we suffer hardship, sometimes we suffer trial. I had a friend of mine that was a great personal worker. And he he was tremendous sitting down with people one-on-one and converting them to Christ. And he would say right up front, look, it may cost you some money. It's going to cost you some time. But you know what? In his mind, it was worth it. It is worth it. And so whatever obstacle you have to face to lead others to Christ, let me say it's worth it to lead people to the Lord. And then finally, Paul believed that his suffering... Ultimately, glorified God look at the latter part of verse 15 well look at verse 15 again he said all things are for your sakes that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God ultimately Paul wanted to live in such a way so that he could bring honor and glory to God in 1 first, in first Peter chapter 4 verse 16 Peter would say if any man suffer as a Christian let him not be ashamed but rather glorify God In this respect the sufferings that Paul faced in life the hardships and the trials were for whom? The Lord. It was to his honor and glory. In Ephesians 3.21 Paul would say to him be glory in the church through Jesus Christ throughout all ages. God can be glorified through our endeavors. And then thirdly, let's think about his future with Christ. What kind of future did the Apostle Paul have in Christ? Let's just talk for a minute or two about what I believe to be his triumph or his future triumph in the Lord. In verses 16 through 18, Paul gives his view, his inspired view, of life. What is your view of life? And really, if you look at verses 16 through 18, there is a contrast between that which is ephemeral or transitory in nature and that which is eternal in nature. And so listen to what he says in verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed Day by day, my body, and yours too, is growing older. It's not what it once was. And if we're allowed to live, it will continue to deteriorate because that's the nature of life here on planet Earth. But just because the outward man may be perishing, and running down and growing old and wearing out doesn't mean that this inward man, this inward spirit cannot be as strong and robust as a teenager. I think about people as they grow older in life and their bodies are not what they once were, physically speaking. But man, when you look at the faith that they possess, it's something to behold. Because they have spent a lifetime growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They have spent a lifetime in prayer to God. They have spent a lifetime involved in what the Hebrew writer calls the labor of love. They have spent a lifetime in worship to Almighty God. And so there is this spiritual strength. They have, as Paul said in the long ago, exercised themselves unto godliness. And so the outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. Now listen to him in verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, When it's all said and done here on planet Earth, we may live to be 70, we may live to be 80, we may face a siege of persecutions and trials and difficulties, but Paul says it is but for a moment. A thousand years from now, we'll look back on life here on planet Earth and we will say it was just a brief period of time. Just like that, life is over. I promise you. It's over before you know it. Paul said, it works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, temporary, But the things which are not seen are eternal. What is your view view of life? Are you looking at life through the lens of eternity or the here and now? There are a lot of folks here on planet earth, it's all about the here and now. And sadly, there are a lot of folks in the church. When you boil it down and you shake it out and and you draw your conclusions, it's all about the here and now. How do I know that? Because it's how they're living. They're living as if this world is all that matters. Paul said, we're not looking at life that way. We're not looking at the things which are temporary in nature, but rather we're looking at things which are eternal in nature. So we talk about his viewpoint of life, but then consider his viewpoint of the afterlife. Look at verse 1, chapter 5. Paul said, for we know. Did you catch that? For we know. Not think so, not maybe so, not in all probability, not I hope so. No, Paul said, for we know that if the earthly house This tent, or tabernacle, as some translations stated. If it is destroyed, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, listen to him, eternal in the heavens. Let me tell you what Paul's life was all about. His life was all about serving the Lord and leading as many people to Christ as humanly possible and then going home to be with God in glory. That's why he would say in Philippians 1.21, to live is Christ, to die is gain, to depart and be with Christ is far better. Paul, For Paul, his citizenship was in heaven. As he said, whence also we wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He wasn't like those people that he wrote about who, of whom he said, mind earthly things. Verse two, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring, to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. What about Paul's future with Christ? Paul intended to be with the Lord throughout all of eternity. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, there is a statement made that I think is a great passage that ought to be be encouraging and inspiring to all of us. Paul has been dead for about 2,000 years but his spirit is just as alive and well as we here on planet earth. He's just in a different place. He's in paradise. And John said in Revelation chapter 14 verse 13 blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Yes, says the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them all is with the Lord. He was willing to lay it all on the line for the cause. I want to close by asking you this question tonight. When we think about our work together here at Olive Branch, it is a team effort. The elders need each and every one of us contributing to the work. They need us working, and they need us praying about the work here. I want to ask you individually, are you willing to lay it all on the line to make this congregation congregation what it ought to be in the eyes of God? The church here has come a long way, but we are far from a finished product. We have a long way to go. And the only way that we can go forward is together. We've got to go forward hand in hand with one another and the Lord. And we've got to execute his will day in and day out, 24-7. In order for that to be accomplished, it, it can't fall on one person. It can't all fall on one elder or all the elders, or their wives, or our deacons, or just a few members. It takes all of us. It's going to take all of us. We've got got to lay it all on the line to make it what it ought to be. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, could we encourage you to come and and to become a part of the greatest institution that I've ever read about. It's called the church. Would you come to Christ believing that he has the power, the ability to forgive you of every sin? Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. If you're willing to come to Christ in faith, repentance, confession, and immersion, The Lord will add you to his church, and you will be numbered among the redeemed, the saved, Ephesians 5.23. If you'll be faithful until death one day, you can be with the Lord. If you're here tonight and you're not what you ought to be, could we encourage you to come home as we stand and sing.